NRL Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello, NRL fans, and welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namofsky, and with me today, our first ever guest on the Rewind is my mate, Chris. Chris, how are you going, mate? Uh, fantastic, mate. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Now, what we're going to do today is going to do a little weekend recap. So, obviously, the first round is in the books. Uh, some winners and losers throughout the round. So, we'll go game by game here. Just hit a couple of points in each game, and we'll go through the results. So, the first game on Thursday night, we had the Melbourne Storm 26, defeating the South Sydney Rabbitohs 18. My overreaction for round one, the first game, Melbourne Storm's going back to back. I don't see any team going down to Melbourne, especially in beating this team. I think that it's a lock for the Premiership. What's your thoughts, Chris? Whoa, first game of the season and what a one it was. It seems to have clearly impressed you. You're already calling the season over, one game in that. Look, I think I, that first half was very impressive though, wasn't it? It's one of those things when you, a Premier comes out and tries to defend their title. I haven't seen a, a first set like that. They just marched 92 metres down the field. Munster and Pappenhausen had their hands all over this. No Cameron Smith for the first time ever. You know, Harry Grant's injured. Dalfa Nukin's not there. And they were able, and, you know, the hype behind the Rabbits in the preseason, the, the performance that they did, you know, Craig Bellamy and their coaching staff down there has just got them running like a, such a well-oiled machine. It's round one, you know. Normally, some teams have some kinks to work out, but nearly flawless. Obviously, they let the Rabbits back in in the second half. But, yeah, to me, they're the team to beat. Yeah, and it, it's a very similar thing to, to what we saw from them in the grand final. Uh, smash out a, a phenomenal lead against a very, very strong outfit. And uh, you can sort of afford to take the foot off the pedal a little bit when you you know that you always have that arsenal behind you ready to, to kick back into gear. I thought it was very impressive, especially with uh, sort of the, the pack leader in, in Dale Finucan out as well. Harry Grant, who everyone thought was going to come in and be the next cam. Uh, missing as well and you, you had players seamlessly come in uh, Remus Smith looked very good on debut uh, it's just a, another year another fan, phenomenal Melbourne team isn't it? It really is and like the one thing I really did like obviously Pappenhausen had a huge game but you know someone like a Jerome Hughes who just re-signed with big money there you know that every person in this side has a job to do and they just do it so efficiently like you know Solomona coming in playing lock um, bit out of position for what he normally does, but he was still, you know, got those meters. Christian Welch, who was originally slated to come off the bench, comes in, has a strong game. There's just not many holes. Now, moving to the other side of the field, by no means the Rabbits were trampled on for the whole game. Like we said, they did come back. You know, Latrell, his first game back from his injury, had a really good game at fullback, some really nice touches to get AJ over the try. So to me, like, you know, the Rabbits are going to be there. Um, a, a lot of preseason buzz about them and, you know, a lot of picks for the Premiers. Uh, but what's your, what's your views on the Rabbits for this season, how they performed on Thursday? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of other teams would have looked a lot worse in that matchup against the Storm. Um, I, I was highly impressed, actually, with the, the forward pack of the, the Rabbits. I was probably one of the people more vocal thinking that Jaira was going to come down and be a bit of a flop. I, I didn't quite see how he fit into that rotation. And I was definitely thinking that the bench was his best spot. Um, and he smashed it out of the park. Wayne just has this phenomenal ability to extract everything out of forwards when you think that there's nothing more to give. And I think he's really going to help complement what they have there. Um, hopefully the, the injury to Tom Burgess isn't too bad, but there's very, very good signs there from, from South. And I think despite the results, they're definitely going to live up to a lot of people's expectations of them this year. Yeah, to me, Jai Arrow was an interesting one being named on the bench. I thought Wayne, obviously, they had a pretty set forward pack from last year. Jacob Host did come over from the Dragons to fill one of those edge spots. I think Wayne just wanted to see how Jai would come in and fit within the team. And the way he did, over 20, over 20 hit-ups in his debut, he was the leading meter eater on both sides of the park. So he was really good there. But for me, the, the one that I was really intrigued on was when they did get down to that big early um, deficit, Benji Marshall came on played a bit of a roaming 13th uh, secondary playmaker in the middle of the field and offered him really good shape. In a lot of the uh, sweeping plays out the back, it was always Benji Marshall throwing the first pass out to Cody Walker or to Adam Reynolds. So it is going to be very interesting to see how Wayne does utilise him. Souths haven't had that number 14 utility position for the last couple of years. And obviously uh, Benji's getting up there in age, but still able to throw a very nice ball and give a lot of direction around the park uh, where it's required. 
Yeah, I, I think the the one interesting development to follow, and I think it, it is going to to tie to that Benji piece quite well, is how Cam Murray is going to be utilised. I think Cam is at his best when he's you know, all action, hard running, quick play the balls. And I think a little bit of that was lacking on Thursday night. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they fit all of these pieces together to make sure they can get you know, the best out of everyone, if that includes Arrow, Murray and Benji all on the field at the same time. Because I don't want to see him there playing too much in front of the line in sort of that Jake Kravojevic role where he's trying to play, overplay his hand a little bit too much. I want to see him running, hitting it hard, getting those quick play of the balls to enable Cook to play off the back of that. Yeah, definitely. And Damian Cook's an interesting one, you know, not taking the line on as much. Obviously, with the rule changes last year, a lot of people did pencil him as the one to really take it, take uh, use of those rules and, you know, get around the ruck. Uh, in this game, not one dummy half run. So it's going to be an interesting one to see how he is going to get utilised. A lot of these cheeky uh, dummy half playmakers in the comp really getting around the tied forwards and the six agains. So I do. I am going to be very interested to see Damian Cook, you know, with Benji there, is there chances to spell Damian Cook, you know, 10, 10 minutes either side of half time to keep him a bit fresh so we can get a bit of running in his game? Definitely want to watch out there. Uh, Benji playing hooker at the Rabbits. Robbie Farrell would love to see it. <laughs> we'll leave it there. So the next game that we want to look at is the early game on the Friday night. So it was the Newcastle Knights 32 over the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs 16. My overreaction for this game is Tyson Frizzell is going to be the best signing of the last offseason. Talk me out of it. It's a, it's a big call, but uh, look, he, he looked great. It's he seemed motivated, and I think he's been carrying a, that Dragons pack for a long time, where now he's actually got some bodies around him. Barnett in that back line as well. Um, Connor Watson looked great when he came on. Uh, I think there's very promising signs there with, with the Safidi up there as well. I think Frizzell's really going to shine being able to do what he does best as opposed to just mindless grunt work. Yeah, for me, the, the Tyson comments more about just, just the way he... When you look at this Newcastle pack the last couple of years, you know, in on their edge, they've had a Matautia, a Guerra, a Fitzgibbon, you know, one of those plotters that, you know, makes their tackles, makes their, makes their meters, you know. But to me, Tyson came out and was just full of energy. And like you said, he's been carrying a woeful Dragons pack the last couple of years. In origin, you know, he hasn't really been able to flex his muscle. But in this game, I just thought he was outstanding. The way he was hitting the line in defense, every time there was a kick downfield, he was always the first one there to meet first contact. I was just really impressed. When, when they did uh, sign him, you know, I was a little bit worried that, you know, you're signing a player a bit long in the tooth and, you know, best years are behind him. But look, one game, but I thought he just brought an extra spark to this Newcastle team. In the preseason, I did say it was going to be one of the better forward packs in the comp when you look at just the starting rotation. When you look at, obviously, Safedi with the two tries, Clemmer playing 80 minutes, which... You know, there was no reports that over the offseason that Clemmer was working to an 80-minute stature. You know, there was games last year where he was getting 45, 50 minutes and then coming off. So he was effective and efficient in his 80 minutes. And obviously, you know, Barnett on an edge played really well. You had uh, Frizzell on the other side. And then, you know, O'Connor Watson coming in and playing a bit of, obviously played a bit of 5-8, but also did play that lock role. You know, I just, you know, good signs for the Knights. What do you think make of their performance, especially the forwards there? Yeah, I think uh, with, with Clem and Disaf, you, you're going to struggle to find a, a better rotation that can lay a platform for the people off the back of it. I think it really enabled Pierce to, to start to shine. You still have Ponga to come back into the mix. But I think, as, as you rightly say now, you've got a lot more strike out wide that's probably going to free up a bit more space for your Bradman Bests, for Kalen when he comes back. There, there's not just going to be a single point of, of focus anymore. And that really excites me. I, I'm really. Really interested to see what uh, Connor Watson can do with a bit of extended time in the 13. Um, we sort of saw what Victor Radley could do for the Roosters last year. And I think he's in a very similar mould, small body, great eyes up footy. And with the platform that yeah, I was highly impressed with what Clemmer could produce the other night, Adam O'Brien seems to have the boys really fit and raring to go. And if they can string together a couple of good games, yeah, those guys out wide, they're yeah, last year we thought maybe a Shibasaki or Heimel Hunt, they weren't the sort of players that you got excited for, but they're another year under the belt. They're, they're exciting players. They can get the job done and they're going to have the platform to do it this year. Yeah, and another name from the forward pack I will mention, Suaso Su. 
um, played off the bench and played really well. I thought, you know, he was one that I didn't think that uh, the Bulldogs would let go. You know, I thought he was one of the, one of the really good standouts of their pack. But you know, what's uh, the Bulldogs' losses is uh, Newcastle's game there. He played really well off the bench, spelled Saifidi for a couple of moments there, did well. But as you said, you know, the the middle working forward does give some opportunities to the outside backs. You know, there are some injuries there. Kurt Mann did go down during the game. Edric Lee is still out. Bradman Best also went down during the game. You, like you said, Caelan Ponga, the best player on that roster, is not there for the next couple of rounds. And I do really like, you know, Mitch Pearce took a lot of flack off the offseason. And, you know, there are a lot of Mitch Pearce haters. Uh, but I thought he did play a really controlled game, especially once Kurt Mann went down, you know. The, the last tackle options were the kicking, you know, this is why I'm waiting for Blake Green to come back. I do want to see Blake Green as an extended run with his team to kind of see how they do attack. But, you know, Tex Hoy filling in did did, uh, did an okay job. You know, what didn't light it up, but, you know, didn't lose in the game either. Uh, Tawala on an edge was okay. Um, Stafford Toa, you know, shows that he's going to be a player in this lineup. So, again, you know, the, the Knights, I had him coming in at ninth uh, in the preseason power rankings, you know, I had a couple of questions, especially, you know, how they want to handle these first four weeks without Kalen Ponga. But again, I think this four pack is a real special one that can really give this team uh, the advantage in a lot of games. Moving over to the Bulldogs side of this, uh, what's your thoughts? Obviously, Trent Barrett, first game in charge, a couple of new signings, Kyle Flanagan, uh, Corey Allen and Nick Kotrick. How do you think they went? Uh, Flano is starting to look every bit uh, in the Cleary mold, wasn't he? Um, just, just some of the mannerisms you can tell that um, Trent has really impacted on. It's just that, that slight shuffle to the right, uh, dummy to the, the two forwards under and then look out. Um, I don't think we ever thought that Kyle would come in and, and drastically change things overnight, but I think there was a lot of promising signs to build off there. His partnership with Avarillo looked quite good as well. Um, I think that will only continue to develop over for the year. Obviously, with Matt Burden coming in next year, it's a great selection problem to have and trying to find a, a spot for Jake Avarillo will be very interesting. Kotrick was at his damaging best. Uh, I don't think that there is a better tackle breaker in the comp, maybe outside David Nofaluma, but just you expect him to beat the first man every single time. Corey Allen, uh, not one of his best performances, but I think it's just going to be a timing thing. As he starts to bet in, it, it'll look pretty good. Um, Hetherington came in as well I uh, got the starts uh, <laughs> when he came over to the Warriors last year he, he's all energy he's a great burst of emotion but he always just seems to be one tackle away from a suspension um, from, a, from a first outing and, and obviously I don't think anyone expects them to, to set the world alight this year but do you think they're moving in the right direction? Look I do I think you know he got out to an early lead and did fade and leak a lot of points at the end of the game. But to me, you did kind of see the Trent Barrett mold. Like you said, you know, the the attack looked a little bit sharper, even though they only did score a couple of tries to me. I did, I did like uh, what they were doing. I did like, you know, like you said, Jack Harrington got the start. Corey Waddell also got a run on the edge, uh, which I did like. Faitola Marino did come off the bench. He was working his way back from an injured offseason. Um, but I think Trent Barrett's going to hold his team uh, really accountable. You know, Nick Hotrick. Did to break some tackles, but also had some errors in him. Uh, so I think the the message for Trent Barrett with these Bulldogs boys is, you know, like you said, they're not going to win. No one expected them to win the comp. A lot of people not even picking them to make the top eight this year. This is a stepping stone into next year. I think Trent Barrett's going to find he's, you know, 20 to 21 people that he's going to rely on. He's going to re-sign a couple of boys. And then you've got Adokara, Matt Burton coming in next year. Next year is the year. This is the development year. And I think you saw from uh, Kyle Flanagan, it was really strong. Uh, a beautiful pass to uh, Dallin for that first try. Uh, again, another short ball to get uh, Adam Elliott over for the second try. These are just little things that, you know, a Lachlan Lewis couldn't offer or a Brandon Wakem couldn't offer in the last couple of years. So, again, yes, he's not going to change the world by himself. But I think if the Bulldogs buy into this attacking mentality, look, I would rather the Bulldogs lose like they did but at least they throw a good shape and good attack. You know, it was it was way too stock standard the last couple of years. So I do like the direction. But again, by no means do I think they're going to be sniffing the A this year. This is a developmental year. And again, as we said in the preseason podcast, to me, I just don't know what you're doing as a team in 2021 if Josh Jackson is your number 13. Like you said, Victor Radley, Connor Watson. The, the new wave of these number 13s is, you know, 
offer a bit of shape, a bit of ball playing around the middle of the ruck, or just a real damaging runner, get some quick, you know, offloads, burst through, put the boat head through the defensive line. To me, a Josh Jackson, who's a club legend, no doubt about it, a great player. You know, you can't play him on an edge. He's not done enough for being on an edge. And at 13, he just doesn't offer what you need as a 13, I think, in 2021. What's your thoughts on Josh Jackson at lock? No, I completely agree. And I think the days of uh, basically having a third prop in the rotation, taking up that 13 jersey, uh, are disappearing. It's your Cam Murray's, your Victor Radley's, um, even people that are sort of starting to just reinvent their game a bit. People like Tohu Harris, who have just traditionally been a bit out on an edge, uh, have added a new element to their game. And I think that 13 role is becoming so critical to, to free up the other bodies around you and to be able to play your halves on either side where you can't just really afford to have someone that's going to be a tackle bot. Your Dallas Johnson isn't made for, for a Peter Volander's 2021 NRL competition as much as we love the players like that. And I think Josh is, is going through that process now to find where he fits in. As you say, he's a club legend. He's, he's always going to be a stalwart for them. But it's, it's how you find that good blend between attacking prowess um, and those leadership qualities. And I think it's going to be an, an interesting development as the season goes on to see how you fit him, Fatala Mariner, who's a damaging ball runner, um, and, and seeing if there's someone there that might have a little bit more of a, a ball skills. Even someone like a Lachlan Lewis is probably closer to that mould of a, of a Radley, a Connor Watson, where he might be able to offer a little bit in that role. And it's, it's sort of a flashback to your Brad Flitler days in a 13 jersey. Yeah, Definitely. All right, we'll leave it there for that game. We'll move on to the next game. There's the Brisbane Broncos, 16, the Parramatta Eels, 24. My overreaction for round one is Parramatta's not making the eight. To me, you know, no, no secrets, I'm a Parramatta fan. This was a tale of two halves. In the first half, ripping my hair out, swearing at the TV, second half, jumping up and down. But to me, you know, the, the Brisbane Broncos will be uh, improved side from last year, but Parramatta can't offer up this for the rest of the season. They're not going to make the eight. What's your thoughts? Uh, I still think they're going to make the eight, and it's purely because there's probably not enough teams to, to take them over. Um, they've got enough strike out there. You, you saw it in the second half. When they've got momentum behind them, they're a very hard team to stop. Uh, the, the first half was was interesting, to say the least. I think there's a few deficiencies there. Um, I, I can quite easily see Mike Acevo not getting a new contract. But there's, there's too many errors in the game. I don't think he's offering enough coming out of his own end. But yeah. as I said, when, when the wind when the wind is behind them, they're, they're a very frightening team. Gusso still all energy. Moses starting to run the the ball a bit more. He looked very very impressive in that second half. Um, but the forwards, uh, I thought maybe a little bit lacking. What what did you make of the switch um, to for Maddo and Sean Lane going to the opposite sides of the field? Well, look again. Uh, they got mentioned a couple of times in the commentary, but they both did not look comfortable. Um, you know, they both formed very good partnerships last year with their edge players. It was a risky move to move them. Uh, I kind of understood why Brad Arthur and the coaching staff did it. Uh, the second half of the season, the attack was not there. Uh, so I, I get trying a couple of things, but to me, that wasn't the answer. To me, Sean Lane, you know, we said in the preseason pod, I don't think he'll finish the season in the starting 13. He had a really strong season two years ago. Uh, but since then, it's been lacking. Uh, you look at someone like a near uh, Corey, who was suspended for round one, but then you look at a Papali'i, who really came on and just, you know, proved what a signing he was, and he was up there. He could have been had by any club. Uh, Parramatta signed him, and look at the results now. So, um, yeah, look, I wasn't a fan of it, but moving on with the whole forward pack, you know, again, uh, in the second half, it was a lot better. You know, Campbell Gillard, Junior Paulo, Nathan Brown, all trying to get over the advantage line. But again, this was more, there was too many errors, you know, and you need to be a disciplined team to win in 2021. You know, you can't have that many errors and that many penalties, that many set restarts given away. So, yes, I like I like signs in the second half, you know. Another signing, Tom Opacek, I think played really well, uh, saved try. So, again, I think that there's some signs, but to me, you've got to have some consistency. Moving on to the Brisbane side of the park, uh, what were your thoughts there? I think they had, a, like I said, a really strong first half. Losing three players throughout the course of the game to only have one left on the bench really hurt them. What's your thoughts how they went? Uh, I think the evolution has begun. No, um, don't say that. <laughs> uh, look, I, 
I thought it was a bit of an interesting choice to go with Croft um, over Dearden. Yep. Uh, I'm still not still not sold on the choice personally, um, but I think that they showed enough signs in that first half to know that it's probably going to be a much better season than last year. And if Kevy offers nothing more than a, a gentle arm around the shoulders and a, a barbecue to get the boys up, then he's he's got some smart men around him, and I think that they're going to be a much improved team, and they'll buy into the philosophy. Losing three three of your forwards early on uh, is, is always going to be a struggle. And John Asiata, I thought, was going to be a fantastic signing for them. Again, great ball player in, in that sort of 13 mould that we just discussed. And uh, I think losing him and the flexibility he offers really hampered them. And I think they just ran out of legs. Uh, 17 fit players for the Broncos at the 80th minute mark. And I could see them winning that game. Yeah, look, you know, as a Parramatta fan... Every time Xavier Coates touched the ball before he went off with his injury, I thought he was going to score four tries. Um, he's just a freak. And, you know, we, we said it before the season, I thought he was going to be the MVP. Uh, he, I thought he was going to hit a new level after his origin debut. And, you know, round one, he only played half a game, but God, he looked good. Like he's just built in that mold of, you know, a, a potent try scorer. So, you know, yeah, like I laughed at the Kevy revolution, um, but, you know, there were signs last year that just the boys weren't bought in. And from round one, they did look at. To me, the one real interesting one uh, is Anthony Milford. Obviously, a lot of pressure on Milf heading into the season, but I thought he played a great game. You know, at the end of the game, there were a couple of a couple of uh, decisions late in the tackle count. You know, there was a chip and chase the around chip halfway. And chase, are they? Yeah, so look, there, there were a couple of a couple of late things I didn't like, but in terms of the first, you know, sixty five minutes when they had a team on the park. I thought played a really well, a really good game, and his running game, which is I think really important for Milford. If that running game turns on, then I think he's in for a big season. What's your thoughts there? I, I completely agree, and I, I think the chip and chase is a, a symptomatic issue. Though I think a lot of people look to Milf to be that creative spark and to to provide all that, but on that team, he also needs to organise and run it. I think Croft isn't offering enough um, as an organisational half to enable Milford to pick his moments better. And he, he's taking a little bit too much on himself. I think give it a couple more weeks. Uh, Turpin looked fantastic. Uh, that, he is just turning into such a player, but he puts himself in some very, very rough places. Hopefully he can stay fit for the season because he really enabled Milford to get on the front foot there. Uh, but I think it's a case of he just needs to pick his moments a little bit better and, and to be able to build off the platform that those forwards are offering. Carrigan, Pangai, they, they did a, a massive shift, and with Haas to come back in there, Milford's going to have more time to play eyes up footy, but he just probably needs someone there to do a little bit more of that creative, the controlling stuff to enable him to do the creative work. Definitely. And one, one more note on this game I will mention. Uh, Reed Marnie, who I was critical of in the off-season, you know, I did think... Uh, a hooker on the bench was needed and I thought, you know, then maybe needed to spell him to try and keep him fresh. Easily, Parramatta's best on the park. To me, he he support, you know, for the Papali'is and the uh, Junior Paulos, all the runs, he was always there to take the offload. Uh, thought he played a really strong game. So I just wanted to mention that I think if this is the read money we get for Parramatta for the whole game, for the whole season, then it obviously does change their outcome a little bit there. Moving on to the fourth game, it's the early game on the Saturday. It was the New Zealand Warriors 19 defeating the Gold Coast Titans 6. My overreaction for this game, oh, are we at same old Titans? That's all I'm going to say, Chris. Is this the same old Titans? Talk me through it. Ooh, it's, uh, the, the promise was all there and uh, big swing, no ding in, in round one. I think it's, it's probably too early to, to, to draw the line through them. But I think everyone got a little bit carried away after a couple of wins at the back end of last year against teams that weren't really uh, in in it anymore. So uh, and the Warriors look strong. The Titans just just not quite there. A, a lot of eggs in baskets. Uh, Tino and David Fafita sized baskets. I think Fafita looked pretty good. But uh, Tino, new system, good numbers, but just didn't quite have that impact that everyone you know, was sort of tying to the back of him. And look, I think, you know, I did. we did watch the game and to me, the, the scoreline isn't really representative of the game. There were a couple of chances I thought the Titans could score and make a bit closer. I think the Ash Taylor near try with Roger Tuvash grabbing the back of the jersey was a big, yeah, big moment. 
and and the Proctor offload right near the line, which uh, that, that's a brilliant Brimo chance if he hadn't been tackled the tackle before. So I think there, there was definitely some, some options, and the Warriors completed at such a high rate, and they really dug in. Um, it's the sort of performance that you don't see week in week out from the Warriors, and uh, as a long-time Warriors fan, definitely not consistent, but. When they put it together, I think this is uh, the hallmarks of what they learned from Todd Payton last year. Uh, they can dig deep and they can defend, uh, but I think the point scoring has always been a challenge. And it looks like for both of these teams, based on what we saw this week, it might continue to be the trend this year. Yeah, and, and look, there were some real positives uh, from the Warriors side. I think Harris Davida really uh, steered the team around the park well. He was the organiser, Cody Nikarima, uh, a lot of running and support playing, you know, love that sign. To me, uh, the Warriors, if Roger Tulvasashek wasn't your one of your five best attacking players on the day, then I think, you know, that's a really good sign. That forward pack is huge. Fanua Blake, you know, let him off. Armour came off the bench, played really well. JTB played well, Bunty Afoa. You know, Bailey Sirenen, who's the smallest player in this forward pack, got over for a try. Tohu did his thing. So to me... The forward pack is a real strength. What's your, what's your views there on the uh, on the New Zealand forward pack? It's, it's mightily impressive, isn't it? And particularly on a 30-plus degree day, uh, the concerns coming into the season was that yeah, Nathan Brown has gone big. But um, the Warriors haven't had a great uh, forward pack for 10-plus years. Uh, the last year or two in particular has been quite depressing um, seeing the back end of players like Adam Blair. But I think Fanua Blake is, has added new verve to it. There's some great strike weapons out wide. Eli Katoa continues to come on strength to strength. And looking at players like uh, Sirenen, who you, know, you and I didn't really have you know, cracking this team, potentially on the bench. You've got options like Jazz to come on and, and just be a bundle of, of energy when he comes on and, and be that rough and tough sort of player that we know he can be. There's a lot of promising signs there. Um, I think Hooker is still a bit of a concern yep. and, and how they manage the minutes through the season. But if those forwards can continue to play like that and you've got you know, your bunch of your forwards, your arm hours coming off the bench, it, it rounds up pretty well. It does. And I think another thing to mention on the Warriors side, I think having David Fusatua and Ken Mamalo back in the lineup really help. You saw early on in the sets, um, they're very good at getting metres and getting you out of danger. So I think having those two boys back for a full season will really help keep a guy like RTS fresh where he doesn't need to take, you know, two runs in a set to get him out of a poor uh, starting area. So I think that's a really good sign for you guys there if you can uh, continue to run well there. From the Titans side, let's just go back there for a little bit. So obviously we did talk about it. There are a couple of chances. Uh, Talking through some of the positives, I think Mitch Rain played an okay game. Obviously had Aaron Clark come on. Hooker was always going to be a concern, especially now that Cam Smith is retired and there's no chance he's going to be going up there. Uh, Jamal Fogarty played really well, I think. Uh, again, the, 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 to me, it's a battle of the forwards in this game and the Warriors thoroughly outplayed the Titans. So I didn't really give much of a chance to the Titans outside backs to really do much if the forward pack wasn't rolling. Um, but I'll be interested. I think, you know, Justin Holbrook has a real good firm grasp on this team. Uh, I think he will he will have a quick hook on some of these players. You know, if, if something isn't going the way he wants it to work, he will make some changes. Uh, and there are some good players to come into this side if required. So, uh, from from a role yeah, case, I, I, I think I think it'll be it won't be too long before we see SASA crack, crack the squad. In, yeah, in some agreed. Regard. Um, I think he, he's too good of a player to be to be left out. And I don't know if it's just the betting in or trying to find the right balance. And you know, Tyrone Peachy started looking great at the back end of last season. There's a lot to offer there. And it's just, you know, how do you fit all of these players in to get the best out of all of them? Does Tino move to prop potentially and start with Mo? Now, Mo had probably had a bit of a down game as well. Um, all the pieces are there. And, and as you say, if, if someone's going to steer them around and get them there, it's probably Holbrook. They're, they're in much better shape than round one last year. So I, I, I still hold hope. But I think uh, that those expectations need to be tempered just a little bit. I don't think uh, Titans for top four is uh, going, to, going to crack everyone's uh, expectation this year. Yeah, and I think one more point on the Titans. Uh, this was a game where uh, Phil Sammy could have really come in handy. Uh, I get why the safety of an Anthony Dawn and a Corey Thompson on a wing is appealing. Uh, but to me, you know, there's a couple of, couple of guys in the league who just need that game-breaking ability. 
And to me, Phil Summers is one of those guys. So I just want to monitor, like you said, SES that are coming to this squad. I think you can also throw in there uh, Phil Sammy. Moving on to the next game, it's the South, uh, the Sydney Roosters 46 demolishing the Manly Seagulls for my overreaction. Is Manly getting the spoon, Chris? Well, 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 well. I don't, I don't even think throwing a turbo at this problem might solve that one. Look, we, uh, we always thought that they would be, be the sort of team where they're so hard to place this year. They could come fourth. They could come 14th. Based on this performance, first 10, 15 minutes, look, they looked solid in the game. Kieran Foran looking good, looking fit. He did, he did look really good. And it, it, it started to fade pretty fast. Um, they need a hooker. They really need a hooker. Well, they they did um, the reports. They did come come out and sign Kyle Lawton today, who did get released from the Warriors. So he'll be back potentially after round fifteen. So obviously, going to have fourteen games without him. Uh, but I don't think that's going to really excite any Manly fans that Kyle Lawton is potentially coming in to try and solve the problem. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. That first ten minutes uh, was a bit of a back and forth. You know, James Tedesco doing t- James Tedesco things. Uh, first touch of the ball for the season and a try. But that short side raid with Kieran Foran and it showed something they didn't have last season. Very smooth hands. Uh, Gajewski onto Garrick in the corner. Uh, but yeah, like you said, after that 15-minute mark, it was all one-way traffic, wasn't it? It was. And I, I think um, that they'd be the first to say it, but uh, yeah, Cherry Evans and Jakey probably did not have two of their better games. Um, as we said, Foran looked good. Dylan Walker... Uh, probably as expected, not very comfortable under the high ball. Yep. Uh, I, I don't quite know where he fits into this team, but that left side as well, Garrick Parker, it just looked nervous. It looked scared, both in attack and in defence. As the season progresses, you, you, again, we, we say it every year that Turbo is the Messiah, he's the saviour, but when he's on the field, the, the team just changes. Everyone just gains a leg, but we, we can't tie it to, to him. And, and now you're, you're saying here as well, we've got Carl Lawton coming in. Yeah, there's a lot of bandages trying to hold this team together. And I think Desi's got, got a bit of a headache on his hands here, trying to work out where you go from that. Uh, we all expected the Roosters to win and, and probably to win comfortably. But the, the manner in which at some stages they didn't even look like they were getting out of second gear. Um, but I want to give a big shout out to Lindsay Collins stepping up, taking the, the starting role there and looking every bit an origin player. Yeah, look, you know, it was one of our predictions by end of the season that Lindsay Collins would take over that Hargreaves starting spot and it happened in round one. Uh, I think it was a smart move by Trent Robinson. I think he's a raging young bull, Lindsay Collins. Again, another player who got origin experience and played really well. Jeremy Hargreaves, you know, a club legend, like we said about Josh Jackson. But the smart clubs, they know when to move on and they know when to change roles for certain players, no matter how impactful they are to a club. Uh, moving back quickly so to... Speaking, speaking though, of, of, of switching roles, um, one of the, the big talking points for the Roosters this game is uh, Kiri switching sides yep. and, and taking Tupanua with him um, and the introduction of Lachlan Lamb. So I think Lockie had a very quiet game, but uh, just, just on a whole feeling his way in. But um, I guess... It, it's a similar move to, to what the Eels have made, but this one seemed to work quite a lot more effectively. Do you think it's just the personnel and having players like Crichton and Kerry involved that has made it work, or is there something uh, more to it? Look, I think I think it's a bit of a both. I think I think the personnel definitely. You know, I think a Luke Kerry uh, with all those games and Premiership experience. Um, Satilia Tupanua has filled in for Boyd Cordner um, and has played a little bit on that edge before. Uh, but to me, Lachlan Lamb, yep, a real quiet game. But when the team scores 46 and runs through Tedesco, um, you know, to me, the, the Lachlan Lamb experience is really going to kick in uh, when they verse a, a powerhouse side. And it gets into a dogfight, you know, that 30-minute mark and it's tied. And, you know, the Russian with Luke Keery, that's when we'll see the real Lachlan Lamb. And I think that's something that I believe they've done that and they've changed the sides for and a guy like Angus Crichton, who is just one of the better second row is in the comp, you know, to really give him a bit of a security blanket. You know, if Lachlan Lamb isn't really feeling he's getting pressured, he can just throw short balls all day to Angus Crichton who will take him and march 15 metres up the field. So I think, it, yep, like you said, it's definitely this uh, similar thing where they've moved over to the side, but I think the, the whole structure of the team and the reasons behind it 
is slightly different to Parramatta. Parramatta's was panicking at a problem and they didn't know how to fix it. First, I think the Roosters is a bit of a methodical choice by them to really cover up some things in their lineup. Moving back quickly to the Manly side quickly, uh, the Tommy Turbo problem. So I agree, you know, when in the preseason, we did have him down as eighth on the ladder. Uh, and that was a full healthy Tom Turbo season. Um, like you said, they do get a leg up. To me, the one thing I didn't really realize is how big of a loss for Newell Blake and Joel Thompson would be to this forward pack. To me, I think for Newell Blake, you know, the Josh Alloway role who stepped in there, you know, it was not even close. The Jack Kajeski feeling on the on the Joel Thompson side wasn't close. What's your thoughts there on the Manly forward pack? Uh, leaving Tom Turbo because we know, obviously, when he comes back, he's going to make a difference. Don't know how big of a difference it'll be a difference. But the Manly forward pack, how, much, how in trouble are they with that rotation? Yeah, yeah, they're both backward steps there. And Alawai had a, a great season last year, but he's, he's never going to be Adam. And Joel Thompson has just been an underrated toiler for years. Uh, they, they've lost a bit of strike. I think Davey looked good, but you're not going to get the same output. And Jakey's just being underutilized. I, I don't know what his role is meant to be in this team at the moment. If he's trying to be a link man, if he's trying to be a prop, it feels like the game has sort of moved him by as the, as the rule changes have come in and Desi and, and the team haven't quite worked out how to get the best out of him. Adam posting up 200 metres week in, week out and doing it in a barnstorming way is, is always going to be tough to replace. And without that there, the platform is just, just not going to be there. So I, I think it's going to be interesting. And you know, talk of last week of, you know, Jake trying to maybe jump in a hooker if necessary and get all leads back to the, to the same sort of issues. They've got some personnel problems. They probably don't have the answers in the stocks at the moment. And it's just going to be a case of how can they best work around it to, to muddle through the season. Uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting one to see how it develops. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be one of, the, one of the teams to watch this season. Again, like you said, it can be top four, it can be eight, it can be bottom of the table. So it's going to be really interesting. One last point from this game, just a shout-out to Brett Morris. Try-scoring freak, another hat-trick. Moved up to fourth all-time in the try-scoring ranks. So, you know, like I said in the, my preseason, you know, I was worried about the Morris boys, but round one, fit off-season, they looked really good. Moving on to the last game of Saturday, it was the Penrith Panthers 24, defeating the North Queensland Cowboys 0 my instant reaction is Michael Morgan done, Chris. Is this it? Definitely looked the shell of himself, didn't he? Um, I think that the 2015 and 27 Morgan that we're all hoping to see come back and, and wishing uh, at his peak, such a such a great player to watch, but it, it just doesn't seem to be coming together for him at the moment. And I just get scared every time he goes into a tackle. Is, is it going to shatter again? Is and, and with it, I guess the Cowboys' hopes and dreams shatter as well. It, it's just, it didn't come together for him on Saturday, did it? No, and Michael Morgan's one of those players who's always been really good at uh, when the advantage line is moving forward. I do want to lead with Tom Alolo, but I think I'll bring him in now because I do think it is tied into Michael Morgan, who's the million-dollar man of that club. The other million-dollar man got singled out by his coach. So... Off-season reports that they were going to reduce Tom Olello's minutes and his role uh, to try and keep him fresh and do little impact stints. He played 51 minutes, only seven runs. So uh, in the press conference, Todd Payton did call out Tom Olello not running from marker to defend one of the tries for Penrith. Um, guys like Gordon Tallis have come out and ripped um, Todd Payton saying, "Don't you don't want to be on Tom Olello's bad side. But just in the body language, you know, Looking at him, he was unhappy. He looked to me; he didn't look like the normal Jason Tomalolo. Didn't look like he had the, the fire in him. What did you say? Yeah, and it, it's a tough one. If, if you have your coach coming out and saying we're going to reduce your minutes to get bigger impact, three runs in your first 25, 30 minute stint isn't a bigger impact. You know, Jason posts up three hundred meters a week and does it you know, very efficiently. And when it's a case you get told that you're reducing your minutes because we need more of a burst. Granted, they were not on the front foot in this game, but uh, it's probably not the impact you're looking for from your, your leader and your, your captain uh, when you set down that sort of challenge. It, granted, maybe that 
that last one, he didn't move enough for market to close down Kiri. So that, that's probably not the, the root cause of what's going on here. I have no problem with what Peyton came out and said in the presser. I, I'd rather a, a coach come out and be honest. And it, it might just be a case of he knows he's had this conversation with, with JT and um, he knows that, you know, challenge the best player on this squad. And if he's not exempt from copying the criticism and everyone else needs to pick up their game. But, you know, there's only one, well, one of two ways this goes, right? And if the season doesn't pan out the way it needs to, is the club going to put all of their stock in the player on a million a year for six more years or on the, the fresh and unproven coach? Yeah, and to me, like, the, the reason why I loved Morgan and Tom Lolo together, I was really hoping they would move Lolo to an edge. Now, I, I agree with the whole, you don't want to use him as a battering ram and just, you know, trying to bash his body into the ground. But I was really hoping they put him on a Michael Morgan side and they come from a really nice partnership, um, you know, similar to a JT and a Gavin Cooper, you know. I, I think there's there's still chances like this. We saw last year, the first couple of games, Todd Payton took over the Warriors. They did get thumped. It, it was a bit of a learning process. But once the team did get in and understand how he likes to play, the results came. So I do hope... For the Warriors, that, uh, sorry, for the Cowboys, that does happen. But obviously, round one didn't really go the way they wanted. But talk me through how you saw the Panthers. Yeah. Obviously, they were they came back in and they lost the grand final. This is their revenge season in a way. What do you see from the Panthers in this game? So they they kicked into gear, and I think that the Cowboys and, and from a Peyton team like that, their defense in the first half was quite strong. Uh, you would have, yeah, just from watching the game and seeing it go through, you would have expected the Panthers to put on a fair few more points to begin with, but they clicked into gear. Um, Cleary's kicking game is, is phenomenal, best in the comp. Um, that left side with uh, Brian To'o moving over there, uh, I think is, is quite an interesting shift. Uh, again, he's, he's in that similar mold to a Nick Kotrick. He will just beat a man every single time, give him a, a sniff of the line, and he will be bursting and, and rolling and fighting for every inch there. Uh, on a whole, though, I think the, the prop rotation might still be a little bit short. Uh, and I think uh, an Eisenhuth might actually come in and, and start to get a little bit more of a, an impact off the bench. But uh, what, a, what a fascinating problem for them to have in the back row there with Capewell, Kikau, Liam Martin, all, all scrapping for minutes. They all looked great. Um, I think it's going to be another great year for the Panthers. Yeah, and I, I think the Panthers this year... Obviously, they did take some teams by surprise last year. Um, all the juniors came through together, so they had an element of playing together and camaraderie. This year, we're really interested. You know, there's a couple of seasons where a team gets to the grand final a bit earlier, maybe than they're supposed to, and the letdown of that losing that big game does come back and you know really affect their next season. But from what from all reports and from what we saw on Saturday, that was not the case with this Panthers team. They looked full of fire. You know, they did what they needed to do. They put a, a bad team to the sword, held them scoreless, which I think Ivan Cleary would love. The 24 points, you know, yeah, the Roosters scored 40-plus. But, you know, keeping a, a team to nil, doing it in the fashion they did, I think is they're, in, they're going in the right direction there. It, it's exactly that. And I think, it, where, as, as you say, sometimes a team peaks a little bit before you, you'd want them to. And it, it's generally off the back of some attacking brilliance and they, they string together some good games. You look at the, the Tigers in 05 sort of thing, you just... That was all on flair and, and bravado to get them there. I think one of the, the good hallmarks of this Ivan Cleary Panthers team is the defense. And they're very miserly. They've got good structures in place. And with some of the, the positional shifts that happened uh, through the offseason, you're a little bit concerned that maybe, you know, Christ and Toll wouldn't link up quite as well. On that right-hand side, you've got a completely new combination with Momorowski and Charlie Staines. But everything just clicked into gear. Whether it was a case of you know a, a lack of attacking brilliance from the Cowboys, and in large part it was, um, or just great structure and great defense from the Panthers, the the Cowboys never really looked like scoring. And I think if they can carry that through the season, they've got so much talent on the park that you know they're going to find some points uh, as they go through. They're too good of a team to not find a couple of tries. And now they've added a bit of extra speed. Charlie Staines on the right wing. Didn't get many opportunities, but when he did, you, you can see that he, he's just he's a player. He knows how to find the try line. Um, 
I think if they can hold that defense for the rest of the season, they're, they're going to be very tough to beat. And you know, that's how you make finals. You're there at, in, in October because you haven't given up points. Yeah, well said. We'll move on to the second last game of the round. It was the first game on Sunday. The Canberra Raiders 30 defeated the West Tigers 12. My overreaction for this game is Michael Morgan. Oh, sorry, Michael Maguire, uh, like a prediction in the, in the preseason, will not see the end of the season. What's your thoughts there? I, um, I I back him. I think he'll be there. I think he's he's done a lot of good work with this Tigers team. Uh, there's still a lot of dead weight there that you're carrying along. There, there's players like Russell Packer earning ridiculous money that wouldn't even earn a contract anywhere else. Um, po- positive signs, I think. There, there's some good talent coming through, but uh, yeah, is is it enough to 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 keep a job for the rest of the year? Uh, I think there's probably other coaches in the firing line first, but but from a from a performance, what, do you, what did you make of some of his sort of key positional choices? Uh, Jacob Little, for example, at Hooker. Look, uh, no, no, everyone knows I, I was on the Jacob Little hype train this season. I was trying to, I was, I built the trailer. I was driving the trailer. To me, I think what they did with Robbie Farah, they need to do with Jacob Little. Uh, give him the keys, let him run. I love that he got the eighty minutes, and there was no Hooker on the bench. Uh, symptoms in their reserves from Brisbane come down. He's the backup Hooker. Good raps on him, but I think they just got to see how it goes with Jacob Little. To me, the thing that does really worry me from a Tigers perspective is a Michael Maguire team has always been disciplined. It's one of, one of the big keys to a Michael Maguire team. A team buys in, they're disciplined, not many penalties, not many errors. They're a smart team. To me, this team is not a smart team. Now, a guy like a Joey Lua, a lot of flair and, you know, reacts well, you know, off the cuff. But there were just too many errors, too many penalties today for my liking. I think if you had a guy like Tommy Talao in that centre instead of a Joey Leilua, uh, potentially the game is closer. Um, but, you know, he can win your game, but he can also lose your game. What's your thoughts there? Uh, com- completely. Uh, Joey's one brain snap away from everyone in the crowd just throwing their hands up and, and wanting to turn away. And I think that back line in, in large parts is, there's rocks and diamonds. And if you get a week where you can get you know, Roberts firing, BJ firing, uh, Luciano you know, firing on all cylinders, you, they're the team that could put 50 on anyone. But just as equally, we'll give away 12 penalties, have two people in the sin bin, someone's lost their head, two kids are crying in the crowd, and Maguire's just there banging his head against the wall. <laughs> it's, it, it doesn't have the same characteristics of his Rabbitohs teams. And I think it's going to be quite a challenge for him to either give up the reins a little bit and buy into that you know, predos of, you know, we go big or we go home, or he's going to really have to try and strangle some of this uh, wanton disaster out of some players that were, as you say, on his day, Leilua can be fantastic. The work he did with Rapino in Canberra is, is amazing. But for mine, I would always much rather see someone young. Like Tommy Talao showed a lot last year. He's got great skills, and I think he's going to be quite a player when he gets there. Um, I'd rather see the stock going into him than trying to, to flog the dead horse that is BJ Leilua. And I give it a couple of weeks, and I think Madge will be there too. Yeah, and I think, you know, an, another real uh, interesting thing I was watching today was the number six jersey with Moses Mbai. Uh, Adam Dewey will need to come into this side uh, when he returns from his suspension next week. I think Dan Laurie showed you enough that, you know, with a bit of game time, he's going to developed to be a pretty good fullback, but I think Moses Mbai, another one on big money, but to me, you just can't play him. I think uh, there was too many times today where they, they, were screaming, they, were, they were screaming to try and take the game by the scruff of the neck. And, you know, Luke Brooks, who for the fifth offseason where we heard this is his team, the keys are his, uh, but they, they just lacked attacking attacking prowess today. Well, what's your thoughts there? I, I, I can see it now. I can see it. He's going for for the Kirk Gidley mould. Captain from the bench, jack of all trades, master of none. And I I think that's... Ambai's going to end up in the 14. And uh, to be honest, he's not the best player they have in any position. He's he's not a centre. He's not their best fullback. He's not their best 5'8". Little showed enough today to show he shouldn't be at hooker. But you're going to bang him in 14 and you're going to try and ram him into this game. You know, he's not going to come on and play this roving lock sort of role that, that we saw Benji do quite effectively on Thursday. I I don't know where you put him into this team, but 
he's going to be there somewhere. Um, Dewey at six, uh, I'm quite excited to see. He's played it a bit in the past. It, fullback didn't quite work out for him. And now with Laurie there, uh, I don't think they need to try and force him into that role. Uh, but but the MBA situation, it, for me, probably not in the best 17, but he's going to be on that team sheet week in and week out. Yeah, and I think and I want one more thing to put a bow on the Tiger side of this. I think their forward pack was much improved from last year. I think James Tymau and Joe Offen and Gowie laid a really nice platform, uh, kept kept them in the game when they didn't really deserve to be in the game. So I did just want to mention, obviously, two new signings there. Uh, Luke Garner, obviously, on an edge. Wasn't really impressed. I'm really waiting for Sean Bloor to come in back from injury and take exactly. that spot. I think when Bloor comes in, it's gonna gonna really make a difference. And I'm I'm hopeful that Luciano can can really crack on this season and build on what he developed last year. Hopefully, away from his brother uh, <laughs> to mm. to start to realise that he has all of the potential in the world, but he needs to make the most of it so he doesn't end up as the second Leilor. Yeah, definitely. And mo- moving on to the Canberra side, a professional performance. I-, I wasn't really impressed with their attack in the first half, but again, they do what the good teams do, take advantage of errors, take advantage of poor, poor decisions by the opposition, and they were able to get the win there. What was your, what'd you see from the Raiders today? Are we looking at a top four side? Or are we looking at a top eight side in your view? I, I haven't penciled in for the top four purely based on the ridiculous depth that they have in their forward pack. Uh, they could put out a, a reserve grade forward pack that would rival most other teams' first grade team. Um, fantastic to see Ryan James back on, on a footy pitch and, and running around. He got, he got a meat pie, um, he crashed over. He did, he did. Um, super coach fans everywhere crying <laughs> out that they'd lost the faith in the man. Um, positive signs from Curtis Scott. Um, I think, yeah putting everything that went through his life last year behind him. Um, he, he looked every bit the centre that they hoped that they were getting. But there's positive signs. Um, losing Kotrick's going to hurt. I, I think Rapana isn't the player he used to be as well. Chance can drift. Um, but with, with the halves that they've got, you know, on any given day, Whiten can be you know, a game-breaker. He's a Dalian player for a reason. Williams really impressed me again. Um, I think that combination is starting to form. I, I think it'll take them a while to gel, um, just just to get work their way into the season. And you know, Ricky's done this enough times that he wouldn't want them to be peaking in round one anyway. You know, I saw enough today to to think that they're still in the top four for mind. Uh, do you still have them up there or thereabouts? Yeah, look, I had them, I had them fifth before the season started, and they're right about that. Uh, there's three players I do want to mention that I think will really. That I was really impressed with the team. I think we'll go a long way to how their season goes. So first up, Josh Hodgson returned back from his ACL injury. I think he did play a good game, obviously got the 80 minutes in. Uh, no Tom Starling on the bench, so Havili um, as the backup role, but that allowed Josh Hodgson to play uh, either at hooker or in the forwards. I think Hudson Young filling in for John Bateman on that edge did a very nice job. He's a, he runs a very nice line and in, in defence put some shots on. So I think... Obviously, you lose a player of John Bateman's calibre uh, and you're expected to go down, but I think uh, Hudson Young did a really nice job. And the last guy I just wanted to mention, uh, with Jared Croker being out for the first four rounds, um, you know, some some youngsters like a Matt Tomoko and a Harley, Harley Smith-Shields was touted to get that spot. But Sebastian Cruz came in today and I thought did a really nice job. There were big raps on Chris uh, coming through the ranks and I think he did a really nice job today. Uh, so, again, like you said, yeah, this team in the forwards has so much depth, but I think all over the park, it's just a really nice team. Like you look at their halves, you know, if Wyden or Williams is to go down, a, a Sam Williams who has got plenty of first grade experience. Uh, if Charles Nickel Clotz needs to have a rest, Caleb Akins, who's come over, or Albert Hopewadi, I just, the one, like you said, you have to put them around that top four just for the depth. It's just a smart team. Ricky Stewart gets them up and they've got the players everywhere. Exactly that, exactly that. And I think they're, they're a team built for, for 25 rounds. They're, they're not going to peak. They're just going to go about their business. And I think it, it is you're starting to shape up as a clear top five this season. And I think the Eels probably aren't part of that anymore. Um, and you know, nothing that we saw today says that the, the Raiders aren't primed for a, a strong September run. If they can keep their players fit, 
if they can keep firing. They're, they've got the weapons there to do it. It's just uh, holding it together for the whole year and yeah, trying to get the right calls to go their way come grand final day. See, and moving on to the last game of the round, Pete Landis knew what a main event was. Uh, put the Dragons up against the Sharks. The Sharks won 32-18. to 18. Obviously, this just finished. Uh, we're recording this 10 p.m. on Sunday night. Uh, my instant reaction and my overreaction is probably my favorite one of the round. Matt Moylan's back, baby. Matt Moylan is the is the playmaker. He is the guy. What what do you see from Matt Moylan in this game? Oh, young Matty Moylan. The the promise is still there. Every year we come in, he trains the house down. The off season has been his best off season yet. He's fit. He's stolen Tommy Turbo's hamstrings. At, at, every time he's there, he's ready to go. Um, I liked it. I think he's he's got all the talent in the world, but year after year, we had the same conversation. It's there, it's there, and it's unfulfilled promise. Penny string together enough games. Can he start to replicate some of that pen reform? I, I don't think so. Uh, I think I've just been burnt too many times. My fantasy teams will, will tell you they've been burnt too many times. Look, but I, for, for his sake and for, for the Sharks' sake, I hope he can. But yeah, in a couple of weeks' time, when Shawnee's back, yeah, do, do you do you see Moylan keeping that spot over Chad Townsend potentially? Look, I think we from what we saw today, he's gonna if when Sean Johnson comes back, he will go into the number one jersey. He's just such a classy player, and yeah, you know the unfulfilled promise. A lot of the times, it's the body. The body just has given up on him way too many times. I've always been a Matt Moylan fan. Um, I think he does get a bit of a bad rap, obviously, on big money, injured a lot. But, you know, he's just a very classy player. There's a couple of times today where, you know, if it was a Billy Trindle or a Connor Tracy in the halves, I don't think uh, they control the game. Chad Townsend played a really nice game, but I think he was allowed to because a guy like Matt Moylan on the other side of the pitch really playing well there. But I think we need to look at this uh, this Sharks outfit and look at the forward pack. I think the forward pack really laid a nice platform. What do you see from the Sharky, Sharky forwards there today? I liked it. I liked it. Um, I think Rudolph in the 13, great. Lays a, a great platform. Um, I kept coming into the season, I thought that they were a little bit uh, old. I think they had a... A lot of their forwards are in the mould of a 2016, 2017. Your, your Aaron Woods, your Fafitas, your Aidan Tolmans. They're, they're battlers. They're, they will get good, good numbers, but not necessarily translate that into great performances on the pitch. Um, whether it's a case of you know, the Dragons are absolute bludgers at the moment, and uh, I'm willing to put a lot of eggs in that basket, but they, they did what they needed to today, and you know, they reaped the rewards. Yeah, I think Will Kennedy played a really nice game at fullback as well. The outside backs, it's one of the more set ones in the comp with Katoa, Ramian, Dugan, and Mulatalo. I think they all chimed in well. But again, this was the Chad Townsend show. I think he had a really nice game. Difficult conditions, uh, raining all day in Sydney. The wind was picking up. I think he played a really nice game. His kicking game especially. Uh, John Morris, you know, I, I had him down for a, for a low finish. Uh, I had him down as a potential coach to be fired during the season. But again, I think if there's a, if this team doesn't have to rely on Sean Johnson's brilliance every week and you know you get a couple of Matt Moylan weeks, you get a couple of Chad Townsend weeks, uh, I, I like what this team is doing. You know, they can definitely push for an eight spot and they can be in and around it. For sure. And I think you know, Morris has been the little coach that could in the last couple of years with a, a squad that probably didn't deserve to get there and, and without all too much confidence in him, He's been able to just drag them to, you know, eighth-place finishes, eighth-place finishes. When uh, on paper, they probably looked a little bit worse. Um, I think uh, all the talk as the season goes on and when they start to lose a couple of games will be around, you know, Flanagan's ban ending, Flanagan's ban. He can come back. And I think it's probably a disservice to the, the great work that Morris has been able to do with this squad to, to just throw him out to the curb straight away. Um, if they can continue to to build a team, as you say, that isn't so reliant on you know, Johnson just firing week in and week out, and you know we, we don't know how he's going to look after an Achilles, he's in a, can he go to the Durant path and come back and look fantastic or not? Time will tell. But if they can start to find a few different avenues to to get some points, and if that forward pack can continue to roll forward, 
Braley looked great um, today as well. Um, I think it bodes well for, again, probably scrapping for that eight and, and see what they can throw up in, in a finals game. Definitely. And we'll move on to the Dragons side really quickly. Um, before the season, I had them as the, the smoky side. Uh, I liked a lot of variables in their side. Um, obviously, you lose Cam McInnes, the club legend, uh, firstly to signing with the Sharks, but then tearing his ACL before the season. Uh, ben Hunter Point of the captain. There's just a couple of things that, you know, I'm still, you know, got him around that. I think I had him in 11th. Uh, but, you know, the form against the Rabbits in the Charity Shield, this, this first up offering, uh, Anthony Griffin's got a lot to lot to do in this side. What, what do you see from the Dragons team? Where do you see the first part of this season going? Uh, I think you might have been slightly higher on them than, than I was. Um, when, when, when you say Smokies, I think they're already on fire. Uh, <laughs> fair, the, very the, fair. The, the season doesn't look great for them. They... The, the Charity Shield match was uh, a tune-up. I think you and I might have actually got the meat pie in that game. Yeah, it was, it was a flogging. The first half today, they they looked like they should be back in New South Wales Cup. It, it wasn't great. I think Ben Hunt is still a player. And yeah, whether or not he's been broken from that drop in the grand final, and he, he hasn't lived up to the expectations of a, a million-dollar plus halfback. Uh, but I think there was probably enough there today in that second half. They, they came out, they, they looked good in and around the ruck. Dufty seemed, seemed motivated, seemed interested when he came back on the field after his HIA. Um, but I, I still struggle to see where the points are going to come from. You know, McCulloch isn't you know, a, a Josh Hodgson creative player. He's not a Damian Cook runner. Um, Hunt has never been that you know, phenomenal creative spark and if Norman just slides back into this team as well it, I, I think their, their challenge is going to be finding the points Paul Vaughan can lay a good platform but does he have the, the stock around him as well to, to help them actually really cement a spot where you sit there and go you know at best you're, you're a 13th place team because you've strung together a few wins I just just struggle to see where they're going to find it this year and I think that's a good point about Paul Vaughan. I think take him out, and this is easily the worst pack in the comp. I think there's not really a, a debate to it. You know, a Blake Laurie, a Fui Mayono, a washed-up Tarek Sims. Uh, you know, to me, it just you scream mediocrity on the bench of a Navarro, a Farmer Silly. They're just, it's just so many guys that, I just, that just does not inspire you. And a guy like Ben Hunt, who, yeah, gets a very bad rap. You know, if he was on... $400,000 a year. I think we'll look at Ben Hunt a bit differently, but the facts are he's on a million. Uh, Corey Norman, you know, great at the club, but, you know, on the field. I've always been a Corey fan, you know, as an ex Parramatta player. Uh, I really do hope he, has, he does go well this year, but, you know, early signs, I think this team's going to struggle. And, you know, he, Anthony Griffin, he's not going to, he's going to be safe. You know, even if they go, uh, they lose every game and get the spoon, he's still going to be there for next season. You know, he's, rebuilding the Saints culture that Mary McGregor supposedly broke and, you know, he's going to try and work in and, you know, get rid of, get rid of some of these bad contracts. Um, but it's going to be a tough season, I think, for Saints fans. Well, I, I for one, am very glad to see Hook rebuilding our fantastic 2015 Broncos team in 2021. <laughs> yeah, it worked well. If, if we can start to find a few more um, old boys that uh, aren't quite enjoying the Brisbane lifestyle, can't wait to see what 2022 holds. Maybe Lockie can come out of retirement and see if Hook has some swing there. <laughs> yeah, and again, um, probably one of the teams I will, when we look back, you know, halfway through the season, look at my preseason list, you know, out of, out of all the list, you know, probably Manly and the Dragons are the two that stick out like real sore thumbs at the moment, but I guess we'll see. Um, but, you know, Chris, we've obviously gone through all our games. From your perspective, is there anything that you've seen from round one that you're going to be tracking and monitoring for the next couple of weeks just to kind of see how things go and, you know, what, what what's some interesting storylines you're looking into there? So, so I think one of the really interesting things for me coming out of this is um, how Melbourne is going to handle Grant coming back in. I think Brandon Smith looked really good at number nine. Yeah. Uh, and if 
if they didn't have a, a Dale Finucane injury there, where it's quite easy for Brandon to shift to 13, I, I think with a, another good performance or two under his belt in the next few weeks, people would be starting to to make a, a bit more of a genuine who is the first choice number nine conversation. So it'll be quite interesting to see how that develops over the next few weeks. Um, I think the Roosters will continue to roll forward um, with what they've got there. Uh, it's just going to be business as usual from that front. And I think one of the big things to start to monitor will be, can this Titans team start to fulfill what everyone thought they could? Can, can Fogarty and Taylor put together a, a game plan with, to get the best out of the theater, Tino, and actually build towards the strengths that they've now got in that team that they've historically never had? But just how great is it to have some football back on it and watch no, oh, look, you know, it was, you know, r- rushing home from work on Thursday night to get a spot of the pub to watch that Rabbit Storm game. Uh, w- watched every game over the weekend. It is great, you know, and I think, you know, having having fans back in the stadium is another one, you know. I really appreciated having the screaming fans, you know, added an extra element to the games. But, you know, round one in the book, Chris, uh, we got 24 more of these to go. Then we got the finals, we got mid-season origins, so... We'll have you on every week uh, doing a bit of a recap to the round. Uh, so thanks for coming on, mate. No, mate, thanks for having me. So it's, it's a great ship that you're running here, and I'm glad to be part of the team. Beautiful. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening, guys. Again, uh, your support's been great, over 1,500 downloads. Uh, go to our socials, at the NRL Rewind on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, give us a like, send us a message. Uh, but that's it for us today. Thanks for listening, and we'll hear from you soon. Cheers.